God be the glory. It's uh, very gratifying that uh, we're able to fulfill Dr. Falwell's original vision, which is to play at the very highest level. Guys, I want to tell you, you're representing so many people today. You are living out what people started many years ago. You are walking on their shoulders, their foundation. You make up your mind that you leave this field today with absolutely no regrets that you'll remember. That you left it all out there and you come back in here and I gave it all for Liberty University, my teammates, my coaches. We'll do it together, for we can. For we, we can. can do all things. Do all things. Through Christ Jesus. He strengthens us. Strengthens us. Each and every day. Each and every day. And may God. And may God. Play with play. All right, all right, all right. Flames fans, it is Virginia Tech beat Virginia Tech beat VPI week, and uh, we couldn't be more excited. It has been a long week. Uh, we had a bye week last week, and uh, here we are leading up to Saturday's game. I am Chad Hassan. You are listening to a Sea of Red podcast, and I'm joined by creator, owner, and all things of seaofred.com, John Manson, and uh, we are going to preview the Virginia Tech game, kind of talk about top 25 and and uh, see where our flames are headed. So, uh, John, how you doing, man? Just like you said, Chad, man, I can't wait till uh, for Saturday. It's been a long week. I think, you know, top 25 entering that poll seems like so long ago. Um, and I'm really just ready to, to play some football and, and let these guys decide everything on the field. Yeah, so top 25. Let's talk about that for a second. I just My reaction is this. I think it's astounding. I think it's incredible. I never thought we would be here this early. Um, it's amazing, and I think it's, it shows a lot of respect. I'm not really sure we're one of the top 25 teams in the country. I'd like to think we are, but um, you know, we, we still have a, a tough schedule ahead, so my, my thoughts on it are let's enjoy it right now. Let's enjoy all the publicity that you know we seem to be getting. Let's enjoy that 25 buyer name. Let's enjoy it as a mark. I actually um, printed off the AP announcement and then uh, or the AP list, and then I also printed off um, the Liberty Football graphic that they made. Um, they sent it over to me, and I was able to print it off, and I'm going to frame both of those just because it's so historic. I mean, it seems to be one of the bigger uh, watermarks in our program history. So I'm not not diluting that. Just saying that, hey, I don't know how long it's going to last. I mean, we lose one game and we're out for the rest of the season. There's no there's no getting back. If we lose to Virginia Tech this week, which is a tough ask, I mean, if we lose, we're out, right? Oh, yeah. No no doubt about that. We'll be out this week. I, I don't know if we'll be able to get back in. We, we probably have a chance to, but we'll probably have to have to run the table. But, you know, Chad, it's, it's funny. You're talking about how historic it is for the program. I don't know how many of you know you guys listening are, are big nerds like me and read the Liberty game notes, but I do. I read the Liberty game notes every every week that uh, Todd Wetmore, Liberty Football SID, and his staff put out, and they do a great job with that. But back when we first moved up to the FBS, there there he inserted or they inserted a, a, a column, a chart within the game notes that had probably. 15, roughly 15 to 20 spots for Liberty football first at the FBS level. You know, things like first time playing a ranked opponent, first time playing a a Power 5 opponent, first time playing a Power 5 opponent at Williams Stadium, first time 
first FBS win, first FBS win over a ranked opponent, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? 15, 20 different firsts like that. And when I first saw that, I was like, you know, I was just going through the list. It's kind of cool to look at. But I was thinking, man, it's going to take 10, 15 years at least to fill up all these columns. Well, I looked at it this week, and I think there's like one, maybe two blanks left on that uh, that little chart. So it's kind of cool. It's so much that Liberty's accomplished in these first, you know, three seasons as an FBS team, and and we we talk about it every week how this football program continues to make strides. And and it's, you know, we again we say it every week. I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but each and every week we're talking about. First, program first, first time Liberty's ever done this, first time Liberty's ever done that, the biggest game in school history. And I don't think any of those statements have ever been wrong. I, I truly stand by everything we've ever said about that type of stuff. But it just goes to show um, how fast this program is rising and how they keep raising the bar of expectations and the bar of, of the, the field of play, the level of play that this program is at each and every week. And it you know, it, it, again, I don't, I don't know how to put that into words. It's quite remarkable to see uh, what's going on right before our eyes. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of what's next for this program. I mean, we, we, we're here, we are, we, I'm kind of looking around thinking, wow, this is, this is, this is some, if I was coach freeze or I was Ian McCall and we were sitting down thinking, okay, what's the goals for the program this year? What's the goals for the program the next five years? I'm like, all right, we've already reached that. We've already reached the mountaintop of where I thought we could be. And, and it's kind of like looking around and what's next. So uh, what what are some obtainable goals for what's next for this program? I mean, what is what should we set our eyes on and try to try to accomplish? And and one thing that I I think uh, we need to head towards is, you know, I, and this is a lot. Of, we talk a lot about fan engagement on this podcast. I know it's big with Hugh Freeze, and uh, we talk a lot about fans being uh, involved on Twitter. We talk a lot about fans showing up to games and being part of Flames Club, and how important that is to a program's overall success. I mean, we could have seasons like this because we have an outstanding head coach or a, a super talented quarterback. But it's 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 when those coaches and quarterbacks are no longer with Liberty. What have we built? What foundation have we built with the fan base and the the booster club and just the facilities and and the fan engagement? What kind of foundation have we built? So I would say that a, a good obtainable goal for the program, honestly, is whenever things ease up with COVID. First of all, let's get the Flames Club uh, membership up. It's constantly rising, but I think that we want to see that thing just go through the roof after a winning season like this, that'd be number one. Number two would be to consistently win bowl games and have fans attend bowls. I know that the Cure Bowl was saying that they were really pleased with how Liberty traveled. Um, We need to keep that reputation up so that we continue to get invited to the better bowl games whenever it's not, since we're independent, we don't have an automatic tie-in with a lot of these. And then the third one that I would say would be a fan engagement measurement is we need to have our first sellout. We've never had the 25K at Williams Stadium, and I feel like we could have had that this year. But that's kind of the next goal I'm looking for as a program. And I know it does, doesn't have anything to do with wins or losses or rankings or anything like that. But I really do feel like that that is the next step. And that's on fans. That's on um, Ian McCall and his staff to, to respond to the winning football product they're putting on the field and kind of uh, take that next step. And, and, and I, you know, we – 
have never been here before. We don't know how to act. We don't know what's next. A lot of Liberty fans have just pulled for Liberty. Several Liberty fans are coming from other schools and other experiences. We need to make this experience our own and try to figure out what what a game day looks like, what a booster club looks like. So um, I just think that's a good obtainable goal over the next five years is just to have our first sellout in Williams Stadium. So, John, those are my goals for the uh, those are my goals for the program. They're not really necessarily tied to the field, but I think fan engagement is that important. Um, what do you think about that goal, and what are some of the goals that you might have for the program for the next foreseeable future? Yeah, I mean, you know, I agree with everything you said, Chad. Um, you know, getting a sellout, you know, increase season ticket sales, increase Flames Club membership. Those are all very attainable goals and very important goals. Um, you know, we, we've talked about it before, but, you know, Liberty is such a, a young school. Um, and we don't say that necessarily as an excuse. It's just a fact of life. You know, I mean, you know, very few, if any people our age or older have grown up as Liberty fans. That's just not hasn't been a thing. Um, and, you know, that's starting to change. Right. You know, I mean, we, we both have kids, young kids that are growing up as Liberty fans. You know, both my daughter daughters are Liberty fans. They have Liberty t-shirts that they rock around the house. They're excited this week about the big game against Virginia Tech. They're excited that uh, the team got into the top 25. Um, You know, they go to school with, you know, some friends that are Virginia Tech fans. So, you know, that's fun for them this week to, you know, kind of wear their Liberty sweatshirt and you know, talk a little smack to their friends. I don't know if girls do that or not, but I certainly would have done it if I was them. But, uh, you know, that's fine. That's not something you and you or I did, you know, right? We, you know, you grew up as a Virginia Tech fan. I grew up as a Virginia fan. And, uh, you know, we weren't fans at Lib- of Liberty. And, you know, as we went to school there and as time has gone on, you know, I became a bigger fan of Liberty. And, you know, I think that's just going to continue to be the case as as we go through as we go forward and grow as a school, you know, the fan base will continue to grow. Uh, social media engagement, as you, as you were talking about, will continue to increase. And, you know, that's one thing Hugh Free said, you know, last month uh, on this podcast when you interviewed him is he said that, you know, having uh, increased fan engagement on social media is critical to the success of a program. So, you know, we've seen that increase the past few few weeks and we encourage that the more the merrier um you know so i I think all that to be said you know say all that to say that you know liberty is on a great rise right now with the on-field product and from an off-field standpoint we as fans and alumni need to continue to raise our level of of play so to speak to to match that and uh you know continue to support this program at, at you know, because more important than having a good season is to to become a good program. You don't do that with a one year eight and three record or nine and two or whatever we end up having this year, 12 and 0, you know, um, you don't do that by one season. You do that by following up. Why, why is Virginia Tech looked at as a as a respectable program in the Commonwealth of Virginia? Because they've got what, a 20 some year straight uh, bowl uh uh, consecutive bowl appearances streak going on. They beat Virginia for 15 years in a row. They, they've had multiple 10-win seasons. 
that's what builds a good program, not one season. That can always be looked at as a flash in the pan, and that's not something that we as Liberty fans want, that Liberty Athletic Director Ian McCall or any of these head coaches are, are striving for. They, they want that long-term sustained growth, and that's something that's just going to take take some time, but it's also going to take all of us as fans supporting uh, the school. Um, hope, hope my tangent wasn't too long, but I'll step down off my soapbox now. <laughs> no, John, I feel the same way, and I think it's just kind of like, here, look, we're new here. We've never been to these heights as Liberty fans. So here, here's some things that, that I caution myself with is one, we can't tell people how to be fans. So, you know, I had a couple interactions with some um, students earlier this week and, you know, we're going to talk to them this evening on their podcast, but basically, you know, I I just don't understand how, how you can be a student of a school, lead the student section and all that. And then post on Twitter that that Liberty is not even in your top two or three favorite schools or, or whatnot. That that kind of blew my mind. But besides that, I don't really think we should we should be welcoming all fans of all backgrounds. Like you said, we have our own story. There are several that grew up um, that grew up around Liberty and never left the mountain and and kind of they're all Liberty all day and they have been their whole life. That's not you and I. But everybody has their own story. I'm just glad we have fan engagement. That's number one is we have to understand that everybody has their own story. Now, now, if you have a place, uh, a place in Liberty Athletics, like if you're on the official channels, you work for Liberty Flames or uh, even you, John, as as a as running a sea of red, have a certain responsibility. And I would think that, you know, the leaders of a student section uh, they would have a certain responsibility. So we'll talk more about that um, with, with those guys. But my, I guess my point is we can't tell people how to be fans. We don't want to tell people how to be fans, and we certainly don't want to turn away anybody just because Liberty is not doesn't mean the same thing to them as it does us. I mean, we re, we've learned stories a couple weeks ago in our fan engagement podcast that everybody has their own unique way of finding Liberty. I talked to one guy who is up from the New York area who just liked Liberty because of what they, st- the school stood for. And, uh, he never attended here. He's, I don't think he's ever been here, never been set foot on campus, but, and now he's a huge follower of Liberty on and engages all the time on Twitter, follows the recruiting. I mean, this guy really knows his stuff and, and keeps it, keeps up with it. And, uh, he has a completely different story than you and I. So that's number one. The second thing is, you know, Liberty is supposed to represent something a little bit different than most other schools. So I agree that we shouldn't be having, you know, I I don't like to see Liberty fans get on Twitter and, and basically, or any social media, I don't like to see them get on there and cuss and, and be and act, you know, I don't know how to say this, but act arrogant or whatever. But at the same time, I'm not going to tell them how to act on Twitter. That that's how they want to be a fan. That's how they want to do um, I represent myself. I try to represent Liberty well, but if someone gets on Twitter and is acting a fool, it's easy for me to just say, okay, that's how, that's how they're going to do. That's okay. Um, you know, and, and so I don't think that we're going to see more of that as Liberty gets exposure, as we get into this, a, as the number of fans goes up on Twitter, we're going to see, we're going to see more of that. And so I guess the second thing I would say is just kind of Represent liberty the best way you can, but at the same time, you you can't tell other people how to act on, on social media, and and that's just going to have to be. I mean, we've we've grown up around it with the with the message board and kind of been been 
um, accustomed to seeing Liberty fans that maybe necessarily don't represent the same values we do. And that's just going to have to be something we, we kind of come, come, come to, come to basically live with and, 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 and understand. But as a, as a whole flames, Twitter is amazing. It's such a fun place to be. Um, everybody kind of supports the school and, 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 uh, does it in a, in a passionate way, but also does it above board. So that's been fun to see. And, and, you know, I know we're talking goals for the program, but it feels like that both you and I have a passion around, um, and, and Virginia tech actually brings it out is because it's such a local school. And, um, I, I gave, I gave some thoughts about this earlier, but, um, and I'll, and I'll let you give your thoughts on it, but what does it mean? Why does this in-state school, like an hour up the road, hour and a half up the road, why does it bring out all these feelings of, hey, liberty or nothing or all liberty all day, or you should never support another school other than liberty? Why does it bring out those feelings in us? I don't know, Chad. I think part of it is is so much different this week. Um, You know, going up against Virginia Tech, we both have our own different stories, but we, also, we both have our own unique stories personally associated with Virginia Tech. I grew up hating Virginia Tech, right? That's what Virginia fans do. So, it, you know, it just it just means more. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's not the same as playing a Western Kentucky or an FIU or even a Syracuse, like, you know, or a Baylor. I mean, those, those games, those wins all meant a lot. But even Coastal Carolina back in the Big South days, I mean, those are – but this is different. And – you know, my dad was talking to me this morning about it, and he was saying, you know, what about the last time you guys played Virginia Tech? You know, was it similar, you know, did, you know, back in 2016? And, and it really wasn't. I mean, and I think – and he kind of pointed it out to me, but I think the big difference is, you know, that was just four years ago, but, we, you know, talking about how much the program's grown in such a short period of time. But, you know, four years ago, 2016, Liberty's going to play at Virginia Tech, and – you know, we're kind of happy to be there, right? We're, we're excited to play an in-state uh, FBS program. We're excited to play Virginia Tech. We're, you know, we're an FCS team. We still, this is before we've accepted or, you know, kind of argued our case for to be included as an independent in the FBS. You know, a year before that, you know, it was Buckshot's first ever game. So it was before we beat Baylor and, and you know, had this big explosive offense behind him and AGG. But, we were kind of just happy to be there. You know, we weren't going in thinking, I mean, yeah, you go in every game thinking you can win, but let's be honest. We, we didn't really think or expect to win that game. We were hoping to, to keep it close. Well, it's, I think it's different now. You know, we're undefeated, top 25. Uh, we might be two touchdown underdogs, but, you know, you and I have, you and I have talked offline. Uh, we're not going in there thinking, you know, we're going to get blown out. We go in there thinking, hey, we can win this game. And, you know, so it's just a little bit different um, this week because of that, all those things considered. Uh, and I, I do want to circle back to what you were what you were just talking about, though. Um, you know, and I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, you know, when, when you were talking with that uh, Liberty Jersey Boys um, account and the people that run it, I don't think you were you were implying that you can't, be a fan of more than one team or more than one school. But if you're going to run a, a an official account or an unofficial account, whatever you want to say, that's leading or supposed to be leading the students 
or the Liberty fan base or the Liberty athletic program, um, you should, you, you know, you shouldn't come out and, you know, on that channel or, you know, on a separate channel, come out and say, Liberty's my third favorite team, right? I mean, that'd be like me running a sea of red, living this every day, and then going out there and saying, um, you know, Liberty's my third favorite team. You know, I mean, I pull for them, but it's not that big of a deal. Um, what? No, that that doesn't that doesn't match up. So, I mean, if you're a fan and, and don't have a, a student account or a, a big following or a big platform, that's just, you know, you, the more resp- the, the bigger position you have, the bigger platform you have. Uh, you know, we're in the middle of an election this week. Right. Um, the bigger the platform you have, the more responsibility that should come with that. Um, I, I think that's what you were kind of trying to say. Of course, Twitter only gives you so many characters, so sometimes it's hard to get your full message out. Yeah, and 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 we'll discuss that with those guys tonight. They're 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 young guys. John, both of us were in college, and I was definitely victim of wearing Virginia Tech stuff and kind of following Virginia Tech stuff when I was in college. So we'll hash that out with those guys, and uh, looking forward to that. Um, let's talk about Virginia Tech. So <laughs> we were talking about should we have somebody from Virginia Tech on the podcast, and I was like, look. I hear enough Virginia Tech sitting at my dad's dinner table. I hear enough Virginia Tech at the water cooler at work. I get, I get messages. I get, I get it all. Uh, the Roanoke Times. I mean, come on. If the Roanoke Times could put one story about Liberty on the front page of the sports section, I would love that. But no, it's always the Hokies every time. I mean, Bronco Mendenhall is going to have to basically go undefeated just to get any love from the Roanoke Times. It is Virginia Tech all over. So. We don't need Virginia Tech guys to come in here and tell us about their program. We have a long storied history of knowing that program. So uh, if you live out of state and you maybe didn't grow up around Virginia Tech, we'll kind of fill you in where they are. Here's here's what I think is they had Frank Beamer. He was unbelievable in special teams. He was and they had Bud Foster, who was unbelievable in defense. That's kind of how they made their name. Beamer ball was turnovers and special teams. And uh, they built something great with recruiting the Virginia Beach area. And uh, they got Fuente, who's been in there since 2016, who is their coach. He come from Memphis, where he did a good job. He won Coach of the Year in 2016, and since then, it's been a rocky road. And he is not doing the things that built Virginia Tech into a powerhouse. He, they're not very good on special teams. They're not very good on defense this year. I, I mentioned earlier, um, they got they – got, 56 scored on them by UNC. Uh, Duke put up 31. Louisville last week put up 35. Those are not Bud Foster numbers. And then the second part of that is they're not recruiting Virginia Beach very well. And uh, the Hampton Roads area, that whole Norfolk, that's where Frank Beamer lived with his recruiting. And um, Fuente is just not doing that that well. He's a Texas guy and he's come in. So it's been a rocky road. And I know Virginia Tech fans are going to kind of kind of roll their eyes at this, but if they were to be truly introspective and look at their program as a whole, uh, you know, Fuente came in, won 10 games. The next year he won nine games. The next year he won six. And then last year he won eight. So those aren't, def- and, 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 you know, in their conference record, they went six and two, five and three, four and four, five and three, and now they're four and two um, in conference this year. So it's just not it's not working and you know Fuente has been on the hot seat several times by by most Virginia Tech fans uh, um so 
you know, it's just not the same program. As far as defense, Bud Foster, he's retired over to Claytor Lake. He's riding around in his boat skiing on most warm days. And, uh, you know, he still he still works at the school in some capacity. But, you know, definitely not a Bud Foster defense. First-year guy, Justin Hamilton, really is having a problem dialing up the blitzes. He he's just doesn't get the flow of the game. And they have some – they have more talent. But I don't think that the defensive coordinator has been a good hire so far. And I hope, I think Hugh Freeze has a chance to expose it. And, uh, you know, the last thing about Virginia Tech is just their booster. I mean, they went through they went through the Michael Vick era, and, and it, they were just prime time all of the time. Thursday night, Lee Corso and gang were coming to town. Saturday, prime time games. They were able to host teams like Ohio State recently and – and all of that because of, of the hype that was built back in those days. They did not capitalize on their booster. They're still one of the lower teams in the ACC with the amount of fundraising they do. And uh, that just kind of blows my mind as to how they had those 10 years. And that's what you were saying earlier. Yeah, we have an amazing season and this has been a fun ride. But if we want to be a, a good program going forward and have sustainable, we need to capitalize on this. And I think Virginia Tech kind of missed the boat on that. But um, as far as the team goes, John, what is your thought? I mean, you've been doing a lot of research. What is your thought? What are where are their weaknesses? Uh, where can we expose? And and what? And you've already said you think that we have a chance to win the game. I do too. Uh, but what are your thoughts about the X's and O's here? Well, the key thing with Virginia Tech this week, uh, this season, you kind of already alluded to it. Is it's their offense can score and they can score in bunches. Um, you know, they've already eclipsed the forty point mark, I believe, four times this season. Um, and Hendon Hooker, dual threat quarterback, uh, he's a guy that they basically chose over Malik Willis, right? They were both kind of being recruited in the same class. And, um, you know, they, they went with Hooker and Willis, you know, decommitted, ended up at Auburn. And, you know, the rest is history as he's now at, at Liberty. But, um, you know, they kind of chose him and he, he's been a good quarterback. Um, I think Willis might have him a little bit with arm strength, but, um, you know, Hooker's very elusive. He can get out and run the ball. Um, they also got two transfers at running back, Raheem Blackshear from, from Rutgers, and then also Khalil, Khalil Herbert from Kansas. Um, and, and Herbert is just – I think he leads the country, or he does lead the country in all-purpose yards. I believe he's second in rushing yards or rushing yards per game this season. Um, you know, And last week against Louisville, they only passed the ball 10 times, but they still scored 42 points. Uh, you don't see that a lot uh, in, in today's game of football, especially at the college level where – you know, they, they do have a very similar RPO offense. So when you, you watch them play, it looks similar to what Liberty does as far as formation and scheme-wise. But they're more likely to for Hooker to pull the ball and, and run it or, or give the ball to, to one of the backs there than they are to pass it. Uh, and that's what they want to do. They want to be able to – I think the key for Liberty, because I think Liberty is going to be able to score points. You know, with Malik Willis and all the weapons Liberty and, and Coach Freeze has, I think Freeze – uh, will be able to. He's always been able to. He'll be able to draw up a game plan that that puts Liberty gets gets points on the board. But the key is going to be the first half, uh, the first quarter, getting that lead. Uh, if Liberty's outscoring opponents, something crazy like one forty two to fourteen in the first half this year. If that trend continues in the first half in Blacksburg on Saturday, and Liberty gets out to a lead, forces Virginia Tech to play from. To play from behind and have to, uh, you know, throw the ball more than they really want to, 
that's the key for Liberty to kind of get out ahead of them. You know, it's kind of like when you're playing a rush, a triple option team, like an army uh, or a VMI from back in the big South days. If you get a lead, two, three score lead on them, it completely changes the game. That's why we used to see Danny Rocco's teams beat BMI, what, 73 to nothing or something one year. I mean, because they would get behind and they, they can't pass the ball. And I'm not saying Hooker and Virginia Tech can't. They obviously have talent and they can pass the ball, but they don't want to. They want to control the clock, control the game, very similar to what Liberty wants to do. So I think that first quarter, that, that first half is going to be critical. Um, and whoever gets the early lead, uh, could, could probably be the team that that uh, can impose their will in the game and, and hopefully uh, for the whoever's in, in the Leeds ca- uh, case can control the game uh, going into the second half. But ultimately, I think this game is one that that uh, will be decided in the fourth quarter. Yeah, John, I, I'm totally with you. And, and, you know, you hear all the football takes that we hear, you know, uh, all the time. It's it's win the turnover battle, uh, jump out to an early lead. Um, take care of the football, you know, win special teams, you know, stop the run. There, there's so many just cliches, but you're so right with the, the styles that both teams want to play with this Saturday. It's going to be – and here's the thing. Uh, you probably know the stat. I don't, but Hugh Freeze's teams this year, the Liberty Flames, have come out and scored on their first drive a high percentage of times. But also what I've noticed is so have the other teams. The other teams' first drives have been – I mean, a lot of these teams, uh, Southern Miss comes to mind, and um, the FCS opponent we play, FIU, and even the FCS opponent we played, I thought, um, scored on their first drive. So feels like that both teams are scoring on their first drives. It's going to be that second and third drive that, uh, that we need to capitalize on and make sure that we're continuing to put up points because I'm with you. If we get behind and we're in obvious passing situations or if they're in obvious passing situations, Hendon Hooker, uh, uh, you know, I think he's decent with getting the ball to his backs out of the backfield, and I think he has an occasional good long ball. I'm not sure. I just saw a stat earlier that he was 10 for 10 uh, last week maybe. Um, so he can he can throw the ball. It's just – we just don't want to – we just don't want to – we know he only attempted 10 passes, so it's obvious what they want to do, and that's run the ball. So jumping out to that early lead is the key. Um, and and how do you do that? You you know, you don't call conservative in the beginning of the game to try to just stay in it. I remember, you know, back in the day when Liberty would go to an FBS team, you know, especially when we had Rashad Jennings or Mike Brown or somebody as, as dominant on the ground, we would just go in there saying, all right, let's just keep it close to the second half and give ourselves a chance. That's not the game plan this week. You open up the playbook from from play one, and and for the first you know first little bit, you you go all in and try to get that lead because if you do, you know you're forcing Virginia Tech to do something they don't want to. So I do think that that's the key, and uh, how you do that is opening up the playbook a little bit more. Uh, you don't just go and ground and pound. You don't just uh, you're not happy with just first downs to try to eat up the clock, kind of like we were we were happy when we went to West Virginia. And we would get a first down, and, and the clock would keep running, and we were only two touchdowns down in the fourth quarter. We we're like, "Hey, this is good. This is right where we want to be." That's not the case this weekend. We have a better team, we have a more talent, and we have a better chance to win. So, I do believe that. Um, and and um, another thought about the Virginia Tech team is it's just it's just so similar to watching those Michael Vick two thousands teams with with Malik. I mean, they even wear number seven. They're both just elusive. They both have uh, hand cannons that can really push the ball downfield. Um, 
it's it's kind of it's kind of it's going to be ironic. It's going to be uh, pretty cool to go in there and go to Lane Stadium on Saturday and watch number seven in Virginia at Virginia Tech. But uh, ironically for me, it's going to be a Liberty quarterback and uh so that'll be a lot of fun just to kind of just kind of reminisce being in lane stadium you got um you know inner sandman you've got you've got all of the game day festivities only be a thousand people there but i hope they're still selling turkey legs up there i haven't been in a while we get a turkey leg and watch number seven just run all over that turf so at worsham field so should be a fun game John, final thoughts. We've covered a lot on this podcast. It seems like seems like this was a big, big week and just a lot going on. Um, but it has been nice to have the distraction from the elections, from everything that's been everything else that's been going on with Liberty, with PR. I, I really liked your article you wrote this week earlier. Um, you know, this has been a good distraction to have. And uh, just it's felt like it's lasted forever. So we've had a lot going on this week. What are your final thoughts going into the Virginia Tech game? Just the fan engagement. The Can we beat Virginia Tech? What happens if we beat Virginia Tech? All of that kind of what are, what are your final thoughts here? One thing that I don't think we necessarily have talked about much um, is the coaching matchup. You know, Hugh Freeze and Fuente, they matched up against each other when, uh, you know, Freeze was at Ole Miss, Fuente was at uh, uh, Memphis, and they split the, the series 1-1 in back-to-back games. Um, you know, and I, I'm a little biased, but I, I do think that Liberty has the edge in, in the coaching matchup. I think that's why Liberty 6-0. I think that's why Liberty's in the top 25 is primarily because of Hugh Freeze. Um, and with his him having two weeks to prepare for this game and this team against Virginia Tech, he will have his team prepared. That doesn't mean that Liberty's going to win. That doesn't mean he's going to have a perfect game plan. But his team will be prepared. Um, and his ability to score on just about any defense, any team, regardless of level of play, uh, his team compared to the other team, uh, will give Liberty a chance. Liberty will will be able to put some points on the board. It, it's going to come down to uh, can Liberty get some enough stops or enough turnovers. He talked a lot this week about you know holding them to field goals. You know, don't let them let your defense. You know, they might bend, but don't let them break. You know, hold them to those field goals in the red zone. Um, you asked about what what a win would mean, and you know we talked about it before. And you know, it, obviously, it's the biggest would be the biggest win in school history. You know, to be ranked uh, undefeated in November, playing Virginia Tech on their home field. Well, now you just legitimize your your ranking. You legitimize your your undefeated record. You legitimize yourself in recruiting efforts in state. You legitimize yourself against um, these Virginia Tech fans that that really look down at Liberty. Uh, I think Virginia fans do as well. They 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 say, okay, that's all great. You're six and zero and ranked in the top twenty five, but your opponents are four and twenty eight. I get that. You know, point noted. But if Liberty is able to go in and make a statement on Saturday, um, you know, that, that's something that this program can ride for, for probably a very long time, certainly through the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I would love nothing more. I, just the thought of winning this game and we, the opportunity set. And, and John, I know that we are kept, we've even heard it. We, we've seen it. People are kind of – we're not just a hype train. We're not just here every week to say this is the biggest game in school history. That's not our plan. But it really is. When you take a step back and look, if we win this game, 
what it will do for all of those things you mentioned. And I just can't wait and for, for me personally. And I know a lot of Liberty fans feel the same way. You know, you'll be able to go into Thanksgiving and sit down with your, your uncle, your, your hokey uncle, and just, you know, just look him in the eye and just say, look, you know, we beat you guys. We have, we have arrived and it kind of would feel great to do that. I mean, at the water cooler at work, every, every place that I talk college football with non-Liberty fans would just go so much better and be so much smoother if we win on Saturday. And, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. I think <laughs> it's amazing that we have the opportunity to go into Lane Stadium and and beat Virginia Tech and uh, kind of put our stamp on the state, exactly what you're saying. And, and uh, it, a lot of that is due to um, the culture that Hugh Freeze has brought in. He's, he's a winner, and he's got all of us fans thinking that we can win this game. And uh, I think that's been huge for fan engagement and momentum as well. So, John, a lot, lot covered this this week, and I uh, really appreciate your time. Go Flames. We'll see you on Saturday, and uh, hopefully we can pull out that win so, so we can uh, have all of those conversations we were talking about. Biggest game in school history and uh, would be the biggest win in school history, and that is not just a saying. That is a fact, and it has been the last four or five weeks, so uh, it's been quite the ride. All right, that was a lot of information with John, and I uh, just wanted to get to an Ian McCall interview. We actually did this interview with Ian um, early last week during the bye week, and uh, we decided to hold on to it for this episode. So this was during the bye week. One of our uh, favorite guests, uh, we cover a barrage of topics um, from men's basketball, Liberty Arena, and obviously the uh, excitement around the football team. So uh, enjoy this interview with Ian McCall. All right, we are joined by Athletics Director and a good friend of the show, Ian McCall. Ian, uh, how are you this afternoon, this morning, um, with the bye week and busy? Everything good? It is. This is a good time. The, the, bye, the bye week, open week came at a good time where we can uh, kind of refresh ourselves and get ready for, for a strong push for the second half of the football season. So did you expect this? When you, when you hired Hugh Freeze a couple years ago, uh, did you think that six and zero and possible top twenty five votes and all of that? Did you think that was possible in in just such a short amount of time? Here we are, halfway through the second season. I mean, realistically, did you expect this to happen, or do you expect it to take a little bit longer, or is this kind of well, shattered your expectations? Yeah, well, Coach Breeze's track record suggests that he builds winning programs. Uh, you've seen that everywhere he's been. And uh, but that being said, in my view, you know we're well ahead of schedule at this point. You know, the program's on the rise in every uh, area from on-field performance to recruiting, and we're putting the infrastructure in place to, to make this an elite group of five program, and, and uh, we're excited about the, the direction. So uh, how much does Malik remind you of uh, quarterback at Baylor, RG3? I mean, with how he has shouldered the offensive output, I mean, it seems like he's running the ball, throwing the ball. And then with just how he represents the university, I saw him on ESPN a couple of times uh, over the last couple of weeks on a national stage with just such humility and grace. It reminds me a lot of RG3, but you got a a real close look at RG3. Just wanted to know if you saw any similarities. Well, uh, both are great young men and and special football players. It's hard to to make that comparison, but I think what what stands out to me about Malik is he is uh, um, a great leader, uh, very humble and uh, a tremendous uh, representative of Liberty. And uh, certainly those were a number of the same traits that uh, RG3 has as well. 
So how are you and your staff keeping the fans engaged while only being allowed to have about a thousand in the stadium on game days? Um, if we were allowed to have full capacity, do you anticipate any of these would have been sold out? And I guess just how, how are, I mean, I've gotten the MVP boxes. Those have been fantastic. And all of the content everybody's pushing out has been awesome. But there's something about missing game day. And how are you trying to compensate for that? And how are you trying to keep fans engaged? Yeah, well, Chad, you mentioned a couple of the MVP programs, one, certainly. And I think we've really tried to uh, communicate. So uh, Flames Club and, and our, our ticket office have tried to reach out and communicate with fans and tell them what, what's going on. So we've worked hard. Again, social media has been an, another area. But uh, there, there's nothing quite like game day, as you mentioned. And uh, we can't demonstrate the excitement that uh, Flames Nation feels through um, you know, putting 20, 25,000 plus uh, in the stadium, uh, unfortunately, uh, due to the restrictions. But uh, I do think that the energy level of our fan base is, uh, is very high and uh, we're excited about it. Uh, what is the outlook on the bowl games? Uh, it feels like there's been a few of them been canceled. I've been seeing um, how will this impact LU will cancel bowl games hurt our chances. Will they help our chances? Uh, do you think a lot of teams will travel to bowl games this year? So the, um, what's happened nationally is that the NCAA Council has waived bowl eligibility requirements. So previous years, you had to be a deserving team and, and win you know, six out of 12 games, and that's no longer uh, required. Uh, they've just, just waived that entirely, and some of the bowl games have gone dark, as, as you mentioned. So um, we, we have a, an agreement with ESPN as our bowl partner, and uh, they've been uh, very encouraging uh, based on our success uh, about postseason bowl opportunities at this point, but it is going to be a, a unique year. Um, bowl games will be different. I think some of the, the differences will include restricted attendance or perhaps no fans at all in some cases. There'll be shorter bowl stays for the team at the uh, at the site and few, if any, team activities and, and possibly some non-traditional dates. So uh, a lot uh, is very fluid there. I believe there are going to be some announcements made early next week um, about the exact number of bowl games that are going to be active. So uh, that'll be important to uh, to learn that. So uh, Hugh Freeze was asked a, a couple of weeks ago about a president change, and he basically deferred to you. Have you ever been through a president change uh, before while you're an athletics director? And what can we expect in our athletics? I mean, things going to stay the same or what, what is kind of the expectation for fans going through a president change? And we've just had such a strong commitment to athletics and Liberty's history. And just, you know, are you, are you kind of just, what are your expectations? Have you ever been through this before? Well, I've, I've been a division one athletic director for 24 years. So when you've done this that long, you, you certainly get a chance to work with a number of different presidents. So I've actually, um, been blessed with the opportunity to work under 10 different presidents uh, during my career. So I've enjoyed uh, really good relationships with each one. And you know, I think the, the thing that will remain is that there's a very strong commitment from Dr. Falwell's vision to uh, for Liberty football and, and Liberty athletics to, uh, to be an important part of this institution. It's part of our, our fabric and our, our history. And uh, I know that that, uh, that commitment is going to uh, continue. You told me when we first hired Freeze, you, you told me that he was a great recruiter. He was a relentless recruiter. And uh, what makes him such a good recruiter? And is that still true? Is he still just as relentless as, as you thought he would be? And um, 
yeah, just what is it? Is it is personality? What what makes you freeze? I mean, we just landed the highest rated recruit in school history, and it's just you know how how does his staff and himself personally? What is it about him that makes him such a good recruiter? I think it's a lot of things, but it, you know, in my mind, it begins by being a great evaluator of talent and, and character, and, and figuring out which student athletes are going to develop. And you know, if you look around and in, in the recruiting services, you see all kinds of four stars and five stars that end up not developing uh, to be great players, but you see some two stars and three stars that end up uh, going on and playing professionally and having great, great uh, college careers. So the evaluation is really important. Knowing how to develop student athletes is really important and uh, maximizing their ability. And uh, I think, uh, again, if you look at uh, his track record uh, in that regard, he's, you know, he's uh, very successful in, in the recruiting process. So um, shift gears here a little bit to basketball. And I just wanted to ask about the Liberty Arena. I mean, we've seen pictures you've posted and, and other pictures that have come out of the new scoreboard. It looks amazing. And I had heard a while back, I don't know where I heard this, to be honest, but I had heard that we're going to have the capability to have a light show on the floor, similar to what NC State and some of those people had done where it projects uh, video onto the actual court. Is that, a, is that still a thing? And uh, how's the Liberty Arena coming? And uh, and how excited are you to get fans in there and have some basketball going on? Really excited about the arena. It's nearing completion. Uh, we expect our teams will be able to get in there to practice sometime around November 9th or 10th. We're going to have a, a dedication facility on November 23rd. And then the, uh, at this point, the Lady Flames play the first game in the new arena on December 1st. Uh, the men will play on December 3rd. And uh, again, both basketball ball teams and volleyball will be able to uh, to practice in the facility in November. So it's just uh, it's spectacular. And uh, there's a state-of-the-art video board, uh, ribbon boards, uh, lighting and sound system. Uh, the premium seating is very, very high quality, and it's going to be a wonderful home court advantage for our team. So we're excited to, uh, to open it. I do expect there'll be some attendance restrictions initially as we move in. But um, for those that are able to, uh, to attend games, they're in for a real treat. So I know that you keep a close tab on the hoops uh, roster on our men's basketball roster, and as well as all the other rosters in the athletics department with this men's basketball roster, how deep is this roster? It feels like that we have several guys that are deserving of minutes. Even some of these freshmen, you know, they obviously have to come in and prove they can play at this level, but it seems like we have a ton of talent. It might be the most talented roster that I can remember um, as far as depth. Um, is that something that you would agree with? And then also, you know, how is, how does McKay go about giving everybody minutes? Isn't that's a good problem to have, right? It is, but, um, yeah, you know, Liberty flame fans have a lot to be excited about with our basketball program. Uh, this is a, a young team. We've lost a lot of experience, um, to graduation, but they have a tremendous upside and, and talent. So I think this will be a, a, a test of uh, patience because it's a young team that will Sure, and, and Coach McKay's system and under his tutelage, and I think will develop into being uh, again one of our one of our better teams, and uh, uh, with again an eye on getting into to postseason play. So here's a token token uniform question for you. Basically, you know, we had heard that McKay has a relationship with somebody at Nike, or at least he had in, in the past. Um, you know, it seems like our men's basketball program is always pushing the envelope with the with the uniforms last year they had the uh kind of the throwbacks maybe they're two years old but they're the kind of the cream throwback um uniforms how is that relationship with mckay and nike 
is that benefit or the school at all? Or does he bring in those types of, uh, those types of fresh uniforms, or is that something that is brought in through the athletics department? Just how, how does that work with his relationship with Nike and how does that benefit yeah. the school? Yeah. Coach McKay was really instrumental in, in our current uh, Nike agreement and, uh, his relationships with, uh, with some of the Nike uh, leadership, um, are really important. And, uh, again, I think they've done a great job with, uh, with their uniforms and, and gear and, uh, you know, it's such a big part of college athletics, but we are very blessed to have that Nike relationship. That is the clearly number one brand in, in college athletics. It makes a huge difference in the recruiting process. That's the that's the, the brand that uh, student athletes want to be a part of. And we're fortunate to be able to offer that to uh, all of our student athletes here at Liberty. Uh, the golden years of Liberty athletics, as you've called, it feels like we're right in the middle of that with uh, the hoops team being so good and, and poised for another run, like you said, and then uh, the football team just off the charts above what we expected and just, just experiencing some amazing success. So being in the middle of the golden years of athletics, my question to you is how have, uh, how have we fans responded? Are you seeing the level of engagement you'd like to see? Are you seeing the numbers you'd like to see with Flames Club? Are you seeing are you seeing that level of engagement that that is indicative and and um, basically the program is deserving of? It? Are you kind of are you happy with where, where the fans are coming along? I'm really uh, pleased with the excitement level. I think that is sky high, and uh, you know we're seeing that in a lot of different ways. People are uh, really energized by the, the success of the, the program, and, and uh, that is fantastic. Um, the engagement is a little more challenging right now just because of some of the restrictions we're facing where, again, it doesn't manifest itself in packed uh, stadiums uh, the way we would, would normally uh, see it. But um, at the same time, uh, there's no question of Flames Nation is growing and rising up and uh, very excited right now. So we're, um, we're very appreciative of that. So. With the athletics program, I mean, that, that is kind of under your umbrella, the entire department with the exposure that football is getting right now, is it kind of like what we fans call football is king? I mean, is that true that if we're getting exposure on ESPN from, from, you know, all the highlights and the scores of being six and zero and top 25 votes, does that help us land volleyball or soccer recruits or any other sport? I mean, does it really affect the other sports ability to, uh, to, to, you know, show off what Liberty university has to offer, or is it kind of, they're, they're more independent than we may think. No, the, the success of, of football and the, the positive national attention that we've received, you know, causes all boats to rise. So within the athletic program and really across campus, you know, uh, enrollment, uh, university development, alumni relations, school spirit, all those things, um, are, are benefited by a successful football program, but it does help uh, recruiting in other sports. I frequently have other coaches comment on, um, you know, going to bowl games, going to the NCAA basketball tournament and so forth, um, you know, really help get Liberty on the map. And, and that helps uh, the, the awareness of, of their programs and helps in the recruiting process. So uh, we've been very fortunate to get some great national exposure and hopefully that will continue. So originally, when I when I wrote this question, I thought that you had graduated from UMass, but since I realized you did not graduate from UMass, you just worked up there. But I'll ask the question anyways. We just signed a game with UMass, uh, added to the schedule. This scheduling has been kind of wild, to be honest, and uh, it's it's neat that we have so much flexibility as an independent with schedules and opening here and there. But UMass comes available, um, and, and we snag up a game with UMass. Um, 
Do you have any uh, still personal or working relationships connected back into UMass that uh, fans might be interested in? Originally, when I wrote the question, Ian, I was thinking that you might have met your wife there or something like that. But I I was uh, just curious about your relationship with the folks at UMass. Well, actually, I did. I I did go to graduate school there. So uh, it's my alma mater. And I was also the athletic director there for a couple of years as well. So um, through through both uh, connections, I do have a number of friends and and uh, colleagues and uh, some good relationships there. Of course, I haven't been the AD there in I think 17 or 18 years. So um, a lot of uh, faces have changed as well, but um, no, we've got a good rapport with them. And, and I think we have uh, eight years of uh, football game schedule with UMass. So we have uh, good relationships there with, uh, with that campus. Okay. So I wasn't too far off. I knew I'd heard that somewhere. So uh, last question for you. Is there anything coming up with LU athletics that you'd like to tell us about? I never know, can never quite tell. There's always something that is out there that's floating that our fans might be excited about that might get, get uh, fans going. And uh, so I just wanted to open it up for you say, Hey, you want to tell us about anything that's going on with LU athletics? I think just maybe a, a couple things that, uh, um, you know, just be important for fans to, to know about is uh, we do have a couple other facilities projects that are nearing completion. Uh, the new indoor tennis facility will be ready in January, and that'll be a tremendous asset to our, our men's and women's tennis program. So we're excited about that uh, project. And um, I think the other thing, uh, I just want to really commend our uh, sports medicine staff, you know, dealing with uh, these uh, COVID protocols, the testing that needs to take place, just everything to make sure that our our student athletes and, and staff are in a position to stay healthy during this time is a monster of a responsibility. And they've just done a superb job. So um, our athletic training staff, um, really sports performance, um, all of those areas under Chris Casola, uh, nutrition, uh, they've really had to go out, out of their normal uh, comfort zone in terms of how they do their job. And, and uh, it's been remarkable to see their work. And of course, our coaches have really embraced uh, that as well. And our student athletes have done a good job making uh, good social decisions and uh, keeping themselves uh, healthy. So we're very blessed in that regard. And I uh, really want to commend our entire staff on uh, the work they've done in, in that area. Awesome. Ian, uh, on behalf of all of Flames Nation, I just want to say thank you for uh, thank you for all the work you and your staff and all the coaches are doing. Uh, the, the momentum and the feeling of being a fan of a winner and just a program that does, seems to be doing things the right way. It's just been amazing. And uh, last couple of weeks, especially with football, have just brought to light just a lot of, lot of uh, good things are coming out of the Athletics Department of Liberty. And so I just wanted to say thank you to you and your staff. You guys are doing an amazing job. Thank you for spending 20 minutes here with us on, and uh, kind of keeping everybody in the loop about what's going on. So really appreciate your time and uh, thank you again for all you're doing for Liberty Athletics. Thank you, Chad. Appreciate you and, and uh, appreciate all you do to, to support the program. After a very timely bye week, the Liberty Flames return to action as they travel up to Blacksburg to take on the Virginia Tech Hokies. The Flames cracked the AP Top 25 poll for the first time in school history this week, while the Hokies are currently sitting on the outside looking in at 4-2 and two overall. They're coming off a 42-35 road win at Louisville last week. The line has been all over the place this week. Circus Sports out in Las Vegas set the line at Virginia Tech minus 19, and that line was immediately crushed down 
to 14 and a half. Now, most places currently have that line at 14 and a half up all the way to 15 and a half. I went back to 2016. And Liberty, they haven't fared very well against Power 5 schools on the road, going just two and six overall, losing five of those games by 21 or more points. The last two times these two schools played was back in 2016, when the Hokies easily won the season opener at Lane Stadium, 36 to 13. A few more numbers to take a look at for the Flames. They've really only faced one capable dual threat quarterback this year, and that was in the season opener against Western Kentucky. They certainly held their own there, and they'll get all they can handle from redshirt junior Hendon Hooker, who averages just at 90 yards rushing per game and has seven rushing touchdowns in four games for the Hokies so far. And he didn't even play the first two games of the year. Flames defense, they get the benefit of seeing that type of dual threat quarterback every day with Malik Willis in practice. So it will certainly be a battle we'll be watching. The Flames this year, they're giving up an average of 122 rushing yards per game. When it comes to the total, it's currently sitting at 67 and a half. The Hokies averaged right at 38 points a game, and they're giving up 31. Liberty, exact same situation on offense. They score right at 38 points a game. On the defensive side of things, they're only giving up 21 per game. So after all that, you really just want to know who we're picking. So here we go. Three picks I would recommend for you. The one I really love is the over, 67 and a half. I think this game turns into be a shootout. The weather could not be any more perfect for a early November fall afternoon. It's going to be in the mid-60s, sunny, no chance of rain. The second option I would give you would be Liberty at 15 and a half, if you can still get that line, or 15, depending upon where you go. And finally, with a game like this, you always, always have to sprinkle on the underdog. You got to take the money line here. It doesn't have to be a lot. I think Liberty's got a chance to pull off the upset. They've got so much momentum going that you don't have to put a lot of money down to potentially win a lot. So that's what we're going. The over, Liberty, and Liberty to win the game. Don't put too much on that money line, though. Remember, with this week's Liberty line, I'm Jared Brooks.